1: Entheos, Time Will Take Us All, is available everywhere March 3rd on Metal Blade Records. The new album for progressive death metal masters, Naveen Koperweiss, Chaney Crabb, and bassist Evan Brewer, takes listeners on a journey through what is clearly the band's most adventurous and ambitious collection of songs to date. Vocalist Chaney Crabb says, we knew when we started writing that we really wanted to make something darker and heavier that was still uniquely Entheos. And we knew that we wanted to make a record that really came from our hearts and captured where we want to take this band. Watch music videos and read more about the album at metalblade.com slash Entheos. One more time guys, Entheos's time will take us all. Available everywhere March 3rd on Metal Blade Records.
2: Oh my gosh, you guys, I have a fucking secret to tell you. I'm telling you guys first, and you guys alone, because we have been friends for a decade now, pretty much. You guys know, last year I recorded my very first album. Well, guess what? February 24th, you are going to be able to listen to it. But here's what I really want you metalheads to know. Because on February 24th, you're also going to be able to pre-order the vinyl. What's on the vinyl, friend? On the vinyl are secret tracks that you're only going to be able to hear if you get the vinyl. And Rumor has it that my producers are going to lock me in the basement and they're going to make me sign the first 100 copies. And that sounds kinky. So I said yes. So I'm going to sign the first 100 copies. Go pre-order it. February 24th, but here's the secret. You go to wizardofjaws.com, wizardofjoz.com, and you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get first dibs. I'll send you guys the link first. Not only that, when you get the vinyl, you're going to get a download code, so March 24th, a week after my birthday, you and I can sit down and watch the video version of my special, high dab version of me, me doing stand-up Okay, you guys, you have to go, please. I love you so much. Bye. <laughs>
3: This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych,
1: Jocelyn Sharp, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everyone out there? Happy, happy, happy New Year. First show of the New Year. It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by...
2: Jocelyn Sharp, that's me. Hello, it's me. Wizardofjoss.com is where you can find me on the
1: internet. And
2: all over the internet. <laughs> uh,
4: my name is Sylvia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's the
1: Sylvia. And make sure to follow our other co hosts. That is the one and only Brandon Hahn at Your Buddy Gooch on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me? I'm at our other podcast handle that is at Rise to Offend. On Facebook, Twitter, Rise to a Fin Official on Instagram. This week on the show, we are here to celebrate the new year off with a bang. What a record. Man, obituaries, latest. Dying of Everything. It's coming out January 13th. I was lucky enough to get an interview with the one and only Donald Tardy to celebrate this record, guys. Make sure you're pre ordering it. And European fans out there, I know we got you guys listening. Make sure you're catching their tour starting January 17th. What a package. Heaven Shall Burn, Trivium, Malevolent. And, of course, obituary. That's starting out there. But before my interview with Donald Tardy of Obituary, me, Syl, Jaws, we're going to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks news. Me First story. D Snyder, Legend. Right? You guys agree thanks <laughs> it's been a while so you guys are like you're like probably like type it out an email and be like oh, oh i gotta come back <laughs> on so, uh, anyways uh, d Snyder, legend okay he there was a a list of 200 of the greatest vocals of all times done by rolling stones a lot of controversy with that list go to metal sucks read about that story read about who was uh, not put on that list and who was. But, anyways, it stirred up a lot of conversation about vocalists and the such. D. Snyder made a comment that uh, I don't know if it got a little bit of pushback, but this is the headline. D. Snyder argues that Ronnie James Dio and Robert Plant could sing but are not performers. Okay, that's the headline. Boo, mid opinion, mm. mid opinion, mid <laughs> boo.
2: <laughs>
1: Let me read what he said. Or tweeted, if I'm not mistaken here, uh, just so we get the full context and not just the headline. He is, this is what he wrote. He goes, You are confusing singing with performing. There is a huge difference between a great frontman and a great singer. Ronnie was one of the greatest singers of all time, but as a frontman, he pretty much just stood on stage and sang. Freddie was an amazing singer and frontman, obviously talking about Freddie Mercury. Uh, and then he went on to say, I'm a huge plant fan vocally, but he showed me nothing as a performer. Looked amazing, great hair, stood on stage, with one hand raised, and sang his ass off. Not a frontman, in my opinion. And FYI, many great frontmen are not great singers. And then he went on to say, who are great frontmen? Here we go. I knew this would upset people. I'm not saying that Dio, Plan, etc. don't have stage presence. They have it in spades, but they are not performers. I pride myself in my abilities, but many don't know me. For it, because I didn't t- tour as extensively as others, if you ask what I do best, I will tell you a fr- I front a band. I learned the importance of the performance over vocals one night in the 70s in a club with Twisted Sisters. We did opening songs, and my voice was completely gone, so I just started going crazy on stage. It was the best reaction the bat had gotten to date. Changed my game. So great frontmen that he was talking about were like David Lee Roth, Paul Stanley, McJagger, Axel Rose, etc. men, not singers. But let's let's do the debate. Uh Jocelyn, what are your thoughts on on frontmen versus uh singers in a band? Who asked you? Who, who asked what? <laughs> what no one? No one number
2: two. <laughs> it's giving bitter. It's giving salty and bitter. That's what it's giving. Well, when he's like, why
4: didn't you tour that extensively? I'm like, well,
2: why? (laughs) Why Why do you think? What are you mad about? And also to say that Ronnie James Dio was not a good performer is a flat-out lie. Sorry, bro. Some people can plant their motherfucking feet and fill an arena Sorry, that's just how it works. Everybody performs differently just because he's not running around the stage and kicking shit over or whatever you think, doing high kicks and, and leopard leggings. I don't know what you want from him. But doesn't he's not a good performer. That's, that's, I feel like none of these opinions are, they're all misnomers. And I don't think it makes sense that you're going to say that these people are not good performers.
1: Sylvia, what do you think? I'm gonna play devil's advocate on that, Jaws, in a second. But Sylvia, what are your thoughts? Are you in line with uh the way
4: no, with de- no, no, because like Jaws was saying, like if if one person can captivate a venue of, let's say, a thousand people, that's a good performer. You don't need to be jumping around to compensate for if you're not a great singer. You know? Hmm.
1: For me, I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this because I think if you're a great singer, you're going to always leave the audience in awe and wanting more. I always feel that. Now, I have seen um, people that they don't have the chops. Let's just be honest. They don't have the chops live. So as he said, like when he lost his voice, I've seen D. Snyder. He's got the chops. What's crazy about it, though, is every time I've seen D. now it's been later in life, okay? he he doesn't move a lot. He holds that mic stand and he sings his ass off, right? I mean, he'll headbang, he'll move, but he's not like a running back and forth Mike Muir of Suicidal Tendencies non-stop, like, fucking pinball machine type of guy, you know? So I i, I didn't get that when I saw him live, but of course, I saw him, again, this is why I don't want to say anything, because I didn't see him in the 80s with Twisted Sister. It might be a completely different story. I saw him much later on, um, you know, and I saw him do a solo thing and and whatever. So my point is, but when you take someone who doesn't have the chops anymore, and I'm going to just use a rock singer, uh, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? His voice isn't there. I don't know if it ever was. Every time I've seen, him, I've seen him multiple times. The dude is nonstop out of breath, bouncing up and down to you know songs that, in essence, are I mean adult-oriented rock, right? They're, I mean, there's 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 some Chili Pepper songs that are like "Let's Go," but for the most part, when you're hearing "California Cation" or any the majority of their hits. It's not run around, do shit, but he does that, and that does engage and make you forget about any vocal issues and make you focus on that badass band behind him. you know, the Frasciante, Flea, and and Smith thing. So I think that, and and, and I saw the Rolling Stones uh, at a much later, you know, obviously not in their heyday, but, you know, much later on, and Mick Jagger did that. David Lee Roth I saw with Van Halen, he didn't even try to sing (laughs) <laughs> at all <laughs> like at all yeah like he, like if you, you guy saw him in like 2014 or 2011 or whatever it was you know he, he wasn't singing but he did his best he did his thing and there is something to be said about that but who this is where i'm going to say this who prefers that over Bruce Dickinson or, or Ronnie James Dio or whatever standing still and fucking nailing it with their vocals. Who who prefers the quote unquote performer who's not hitting the songs? You know, like that's where my question is. It just feels is. to me like
2: like when somebody didn't get cast in like a like even for me, like when somebody doesn't make a comedy festival and then they write a Facebook dissertation about, you know, why they think they didn't make it and <laughs> what they think is wrong with the gig? Like it's just weird to me. To well, like, you sound bitter, and it's yeah, kind you of pathetic. so <laughs> bitter. Like why, why do you care what this random list is? What, they left great vocalists in every genre off that list. In every single genre, the R and B community is up and arms. The, the punk community is up and arms. Up and
1: arms <laughs> to make this. a list like that, and it's like yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the it's make-
2: like when you were in high school. And guys made a list of like the hottest girls, and somebody got a hold of it. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Oh yeah, I forgot her because we're not Becky Smith. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> but I mean, this is this is no. be- becoming more and more of a thing as these lists, and obviously, people will click on them and then comment and then be like, "What the fuck?" And I mean, that's, that's oh yeah, that's it's becoming I mean, it, it more causes, and more a uh, thing. Yeah,
4: it, yeah, it causes a reaction. Yeah. But I just think that anyone who can captivate an audience, that's a good performer.
1: I agree.
2: Well, I think looking at a list of greatest at anything, which is subjective, it's a subjective opinion from the writer of that list, and saying, well, this list is bullshit, and so and so shouldn't be on here, and I should be on here, or any of those things, is insane. It's insane. It's like being on like a, a group date situation when you go to one of those matchmaking services, mm-hmm. and like, everybody likes this one person. But you go over and you push that person over, and you're like, no, you need to like me because that person isn't even a good singer. So, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm okay with the
1: debate. I'm okay with it because I do think there is, I see his point of there being a difference between a performer and a singer. I, I just, to me, he's leaning on, if I'm getting this right, the performer side. Is more more important, and the yeah. crowd reaction will will matter more. And I'm going to lean towards the the other side. Now, dude, of course, if you can run around the stage and hit every note and do all that stuff and and keep it moving, that's cool. But minimum effort going back and forth is is uh, it, it's engaging to me, and it's great, and and that's usually and what I see. Moving room
2: to stillness. Moving the room to stillness is also a reaction, dum dum. But that's mm-hmm. also a reaction. Moving on to stillness. It's not just like getting a... Hey, that's not the only reaction you can get as a performer. Silence speaks volumes. If there is... The more people in the room, the quieter they are if you're performing, you're fucking nailing it. <laughs> yeah, brother. that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing.
4: Like, if you have to rely on... That's what I'm saying. Like, if you have to rely on jumping up and down and going back and forth because you got to compensate for something... I mean, I don't know.
1: Like, well, it's it's a transfer of energy. <laughs> Is that good? You know? well, yeah, you're getting the energy, the vibe. Everybody's ah. Yeah, yeah. But the second, I've always felt the second, they can't nearly come to the vocals. It's noticeable. Okay, uh, Vince Neil. it like he's moving, but like when he can't hit the note, you're out immediately. You're like, oh, all right, I was into this, I was into Live Wire, and then all of a sudden he just started, mar- you know, doing marbles in his mouth, and you're like, you get out of the song right away. And you're not you're not paying attention that he's running back and forth you're like oh dude he's fucking yeah, off you know, like, <laughs> right so yeah so anyways a good debate i I think it's fair to say that I could not be a metal singer but if I wanted to live the dream this is why i, I I'm kind of 50 50 if I wanted to live the dream I could be a performer and I could do the best I could with my voice and I just have to match a certain energy and a little punk rock attitude. You know, it's like it gives you a chance if you're not born with Dio's voice. But I'll tell you right now, if I was born with Dio's voice, I'll sit the fuck down and sing. <laughs> right? I won't even. But fi- I'll <laughs> yeah. smoke a cigarette while you guys mosh, and I'll come out there and I'll be fucking like, you know, it's the last yeah. line. I'll fucking do it all day. That's the thing.
4: I'll probably, I- you do need to sit still because, I mean, those are some high notes. That's what I'm saying. You can't be winded <laughs> yeah. trying to hit those notes.
2: Well, and I've I sang my whole life. I have so much respect for good singers, but I hate anyone in any art that thinks the way they do their art is the best version of it. That's I hate not. That. But D is a great singer.
1: He, D is a great singer. Like, to this day. E. snyder if you got i know he doesn't i don't know if he's doing live shows anymore or whatever but i uh dude if you guys saw him you guys know like out of his generation fuck he's aged like top three like amazing
2: here's the thing about me as here's the thing about me is there's great singers there's like stay-at-home moms who are singers that will blow your fucking socks off you (laughs) that you've never heard of them they're doing dishes and they're fucking hitting whistle notes you know what i'm saying so my point is is like i'd rather be uh, not like be like oh this guy's a great singer but he's kind of an asshole like he's kind of shitting on these other singers like why can't you just like be happy like let people have their flowers brother like i don't get it In,
1: in essence though uh, I mean we'll move on to the next story that's what I'm saying in essence he, him drawing a line in the sand and saying there's performers and singers and him preferring whatever side the performers I think he's elevating those with the talent and saying like yeah dude but the crowd likes this side uh more from his perspective right but he is elevating the talent you know, of the singer and that in our genre and that's that's cool and the the 200 uh greatest singers of all time that Rolling Stone listed obviously it's just an impossible task, and I, I remember looking at it. I'm like, "Why would they attempt this?" Oh, we're getting clicks on it, right? It's the stupidest thing ever for me to say. Number one is, I don't know, whoever you know. But the point is, is that um, it worked. Hats off, Rolling Stone. Good job. I'm sure that uh, y- you This know, is
2: not hate because she's good at what she does. But Taylor Swift is on that list.
1: Well, I think Taylor Swift's on their list too, Jaws. I'm sure. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm not saying anything negative, but like you know, Bob Dylan's on the list. There's a lot of people that we we but don't. This
2: is my, but this yeah. is my point: is I don't think she's a vocalist. I'm not hating on what she does; she's really great at specifically what she does. But she's not a vocalist. That's not her talent. Mm,
1: I agree, but I mean, she's a great
2: she's a great pop songwriter, and they're putting her on the 200 best vocalists.
1: Uh, I see your point. So, so, in in essence, though, that means you're now switching and agreeing <laughs> with D to be like these aren't. There's performers on this list, like uh, you're talking about Taylor Swift.
2: No, what I'm saying is this list is specifically designed to make
1: this fight. <laughs> uh, I, I know, Duh. brothers against sisters. No, <laughs> it's like the impossible. It's a list of like Nothing. there is no truth to this whatsoever, Stop and pe- people don't. Yeah, people will never be like whoa. They'll just be like, what the fuck, you know? It's like because they, 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 I guess they assume yeah. everything they read is supposed to be honest. <laughs> you know? like, but uh, it's uh, it's a crazy list. Moving on to the next story, though. Or that it means
2: Anything? What it means Anything?
1: Well, it. Um, we're I mean, talking about you know. it. We're talking about it, and we're talking about D. And we're celebrating the vocal styles of Ronnie James Dio. Posted
2: Taking Back Sunday lyrics every day in high school for a whole month. That didn't mean anything. You, you can post whatever you want on the internet. It's Meaningless. It doesn't
1: mean anything. Uh, I don't get it. I'll I'm getting too
2: old. Can I? <laughs>
1: can I? Fair enough. You and move on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, Jocelyn. I'm turning into
2: an old lady. Next <laughs> story. So
1: okay. All right. <laughs> Growing up, System of a Down was in my pocket, right? And my pocket of like w- amazing bands that came out during that, the new metal rise. And, uh, you know, I'm not labeling them or anything, but they were part of that rise. Um, and just such a unique, amazing band. Getting to see them live during their rise, you know, from a small venue all the way through, um, they were just very very important band. And I am one that. Never wants a band to lose that, because that's how I experience them. I say the same thing about Rage Against the Machine, you know, um, and other bands that haven't put out records in forever. Um, Their songs still are very relevant matter. But what I hate about the modern times when those bands aren't putting out records is that there's always headlines of them. It's seemingly taking jabs at each other through the media. Right this week, um, I guess. The least favorite System of a Down member, uh, yet the most vocal, John Dolmayan, said that, that we probably should have parted ways with Surge in 2006, the singer of the band. Um, and I think everybody was just like, fucking part with him right now. You guys are not going to be System of a Down, <laughs> really.
4: Wait, isn't aren't they yeah. there, isn't that his brother in law?
1: Yeah, they're brother-in-laws too, which is another like it's just like huh. you just slap your but let's go to you, Sylvia, on this.
2: What are <laughs> your thoughts? Said, they're just dead holidays, just like shoving <laughs> like passive aggressively eating mashed potatoes. Yeah. mashed
4: potatoes. Will you tell John to pass the mashed potatoes? <laughs> Will you tell Serge?
1: <laughs> so let me read that's the tell quote Serge that
4: I don't want to pass him the mashed potatoes. And I am in use of the mashed potatoes right now. <laughs> Can you tell us Just gonna take a while? Can you tell John to fuck off?
2: Oh t- <laughs> so it is Thanksgiving. Uh, it makes me honestly so sad because like um system was like my introduction to harder metal. like it, it was like a very formative band for my music discovering John like journey and as an adolescent. so oh for sure. Like, especially like- just
4: mesmerized and hypnotized like yes oh my god
2: it was hearing i'll I'll never forget i was sitting in my friend's bedroom staring out the window and i'm like what am i listening to it changed my life like it completely changed the trajectory of the music i was trying to discover and i always get so bummed but but i have a question for you guys because this makes me i think about this a lot do you sometimes think some of the greatest art comes out of conflict yeah for sure it can serve uh, as an inspiration.
1: I, 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 am gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say for sure, it's, some art does come out of conflict because you're forced to get the project done. But I, I do feel the greatest arc is gonna come out of uh, a, a connection with people Collaboration. that yeah. love each other, want, oh. want the same I'm thing, an angry
4: person inside them,
1: all those things. <laughs> and I think all these bands that we talk about that have their great moments, it, it, you know. I'm sure there's always a case-by-case case difference, but I think that they're all firing on cylinders, they all want the same thing, and they're all on the same page uh, when they create those great yeah. records. Um, does that mean a band can't, you know, find that vibe temporarily and put out great songs? No, I, I think if System of Down ever put out another record, that it would be great, because, I mean, I just think they can do it, but the fact that they're not willing to try, or, I don't know, whatever the case may be, um, that that's a... That's interesting. Let me read exactly what he said. This is what uh, John said on the Battleline podcast, if I may. Um, just so I gave you guys the headline. Surge hasn't really wanted to be in the band for a long time, and quite frankly, we probably should have parted ways around 2006. We tried to get together multiple times to make an album, but there were certain rules set in place that made it difficult to do so and maintain the integrity of what System of a Down stood for. So we couldn't really come together and agree. And part of that is Surge's fault, and part of that is my fault, and Shavo's and Darren's sister as well. But at the end of the day, if you have a majority of a band thinking one way and one person thinking the other, it's very difficult to come together and make music thinking that person is important. I think we should have moved on. And if Serge didn't want to be in the band at that time, we should have just moved on and done it with somebody else. But that's what happens when you're loyal and you really want to make it work. You put up with things that may be determined to the that may be detrimental to the health of the band or the health of the situation. Maybe it would have been better if we moved on and got another singer for an album or two and continued to make music and brought Surge back later if he wanted to come back. That probably would have been better. But as it is, I think we wasted 15, maybe 20 years of our lives waiting. I give him that point. It does feel that way if you're an artist. I mean, you know. sure. But I mean, would anyone care
2: at that
4: point?
1: um
2: and it was like with the new singer yeah i mean the, i don't know because i don't here, here it wouldn't be system because here's here this is no shade to anyone else in the band but surge is surge and system is system because of surge That that sound is specific and unique and iconic it, and the reason that something is iconic is because it's one of a kind
1: it, it would have hurt the brand if they had, and it, it, this happens. That's for sure. You know, because of, and I agree with Jaws. Because of search being such a, a important part to the vocal harmonies of the band, and it's not like just you know, yeah, they can find somebody that can sing like them, but it, it would hurt the the brand. It's because they were on top of the game. So if they switched them in two thousand and six, that's when they were like, and they still, I mean, technically, I mean, really, they still are. If you see them perform live, you know. Uh, with the thoughts of them no. not liking each and other, and, <laughs> like, <laughs> so
4: and Surgeon, what was it uh, Darren? Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, so I mean, their their voices just they combine so beautifully. How are you going to find someone else to have that sort of chemistry?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, it worked for Van like Halen. That,
4: that in itself, that, like they're on they're on par with Allison in Chains in like harmonizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like how are you how are you going to match that? You can't.
1: That's a that's a good point. I mean, Allison Chains, if Lane Staley, you know, didn't succumb to his addiction, um, you wonder if their popularity would be on the same level as like a Pearl Jam or something like that. I, I I'm not saying yeah, it would because um, you, William DuVall's you know, amazing.
4: Will DuVall? Yeah, yeah. You but know. <laughs> but there lacks that little special ingredient that Lane had with uh, Jerry Cantrell's voice
1: yeah he's he's irreplaceable I, I yeah. still
4: love Will Duvall. I'm not saying anything ah, but I'm just dude. saying like there's there's just that that something missing
1: it's a compromise and Willem Duvall is an amazing yeah. performer and Allison Chains is like fucking just if you've seen him live they're, they're they've are they I've never seen him mm-hmm. with uh you know Lane so I can't even compare um I'm so glad they're active I'm so glad they're putting out records you know but it will always be a compromise because we lost somebody. You know, Stone Temple Pilots touring without Scott Weiland, it's a compromise. You know, it's just the way it is. And mm-hmm.
2: yeah. It's
4: not the same. It's And even when they were Even when them, they tried to do it with Chester Bennington.
1: Correct. Exactly. They had Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, probably one of the biggest bands ever. And I've seen, I have seen—I saw them live with Stone Temple Pilots at that time. And Chester was great. He was also a top-notch performer. Yeah. Or was a top-notch performer. But then you have yeah. um,
4: Jeff, I think his name is Jeff Goot.
1: Yeah. And it's, I haven't seen <laughs> him. Yeah, I bought the record. I bought the uh, the the record they put out with the self titled, and it's fine. But again, but
4: he's but I I've seen some performances like online, but he he tries to be Scott Weiland. Oh,
1: that's what it is. There is or at least
4: he's heavily
2: influenced.
1: Yeah, there. Like is, he, he
2: his, his style hasn't come out. That's the problem, though, is that we watch all these people because this doesn't happen it happens in every genre where bands or groups. People will step in the place of somebody who leaves, or maybe he is kicked out of the band, or whatever, or kicked out of the group, and you know, kind of like with Journey or whatever. And uh, it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool for a second, but it's it's a novel niche little thing for a second, and then it wears off very quickly because you're doing just like, truthfully, and this is like, going to sound really harsh, but you're doing like the best version of karaoke if you're just going to mm-hmm. do an impression of somebody that was already here or somebody that did that thing. And what made it special was it was that it it was their thing. And if you're just doing a really great impression of that, I mean, yeah, that's really cool. And it's incredibly impressive, but also at the same time, it's not going to move people to feel the same way they did when they connected with that person the first time.
4: And I think with, um, with Allison Chains and and Will Duvall, like at least you still have Jerry Cantrell, who's kind of like, the leader of the the bunch you know Mm
3: -hmm. but with
4: with darren i don't know if he's that without surge because i feel like surge was the the main guy
1: yeah and keep in mind that um when these bands rose youth was a part of it too you know i always say this to people like like if you see a band that's an older legacy band it doesn't have the original members you're also missing that original that the youth, which you can't get back, you know, obviously. But that's also something that we compromise with. Is that no, dude, you're not going to do the same things you did thirty years ago. Um, but if you got the same guys, it feels the same. It can. But when you have, you know, a singer that's I don't know twenty years less younger than the guys on stage, and the whole vibe is different. Doesn't mean it's not a good time. Doesn't mean all that stuff. But my point is, is that there is what system of down has done to maintain and do live shows every now and then and they put out those two really good songs it shows that they still have that that brotherhood um i feel like maybe part of that maintaining has been john dolmayan just saying dumbass shit and keeping them in the spotlight <laughs> through the whole fucking process but that's what i don't want so, you know what i'm saying i feel we like
4: have to thank john this whole time
1: for 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 keeping them uh, news headlines throughout yeah. all these years of no yeah. records yeah, because everything newsworthy has kind of been him, you know, not in a good way. But uh, I'll tell you Dang. something right now: when they get their stuff together and they put out a record, all this will be forgotten, you know. Um, and that's part of the modern day media is: as long as you are a headline, then people will listen to your band, like your band, talk about your band, like we're doing. So, um, not when he when he talks no, about the isn't integrity. It weird to act like your? Isn't
2: it weird to act like your friend is keeping you from doing the thing you love?
1: um did you feel that way it, i mean yeah e, yeah i mean i i don't i don't, well, I don't know.
2: Weird be, it's weird to be like i should be doing this thing and it's like okay
1: like go look you're mad
2: at him like i know you don't i know you can't make the system record without him but you can still make a record
1: but what's the what's the what's the worst thing about life the what ifs right a lot of us live our lives like I just don't want the what if. Let me just do what's on my mind and think about it and he'll always have the what if. We made records for the past 15 or 20 years and it's fair. It's fair for him to say like like what if we yeah, did some fair. albums, you know? And now I can't get those years back and that what if is really what it is. And and it's fair for him to be like, dude, if uh, two thousand and six, what if we did get rid of him and people accepted our new singer for the last twenty years and it worked out? Um, and we had a new identity and a new fan base that fell in love with this style. Sepultura did that. You know, it took years for people to accept Derek Green, and a lot of people still don't, you know. But like me as a metal fan, I'm like I'm excited about Derrick Green Sepultura, you know? Um, and they what if they started that transition a long time ago? However, again, Derrick Green Sepultura is not the brother Ceveltera and that's all we're saying. Surge would, you know, whoever they followed it would not be system with Surge and um yeah, but uh we'll see. I'm sure we'll get some more uh more interviews with John Dolmayan saying something in a uh interesting <laughs> manner to keep that band open and honest and all that stuff and uh last, I mean we ask this all the time, but when you hear an interview like this, Do you think that there will be a new system of down record in the next year? No. No.
4: I mean, I know that they're going to be um, at the Sydney World Fest.
1: Yeah. They got uh, one show booked this year.
4: May. They have one show this year. (laughs) No. No.
2: Yeah. It's not going to happen. No. Like, if you're publicly being like, we should have parted ways a long time ago, you're not going to just then be like, shall we... Brainstorm a new album, then. Like it's not gonna. That's
4: no, because John won't pass the goddamn mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm fucking gone.
1: sighs> Thanksgiving. <It's> John's fault. <laughs> With that, <laughs> it's time. I'm the
2: pinky of household. <laughs>
1: It's. Time. I missed you guys. I missed you guys.
2: Um, I missed you guys too. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's time, guys. Uh, for the reason you're all here, for the reason that we're here, and that is to celebrate the latest record from Obituary, Dying of Everything. It's coming out January 13th. Here it is. Here's my interview with Donald Tardy of
0: Obituary.
1: everybody what is going on Petter metal sucks podcast on the phone i have donald tardy from the mighty obituary we are here to celebrate guys their latest record dying of everything it's coming out january 13th and europe i know you guys are out there listening make sure you are picking up tickets they're gonna be torn out there starting the 17th of january with heaven shall burn trivium it's gonna be an awesome package so make sure you guys are doing that let's uh Let's jump into the first thing I mentioned, man, the new album, Dying of Everything. Tell me the whole, I mean, you know, being a veteran 30 years plus now, uh, when you're going in there to, to write new songs and do new stuff, tell me the whole process this time around for you guys.
5: Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a, a delight to be on here with you and to, and, and talking and talk metal. So, uh, yeah, you know, Obituary is definitely not that band that puts an album out every year lord knows we don't even put an album out every other year so you know we we take our time we uh we are on no schedule we do not force things uh when it comes to songwriting and uh you know the magic with us is we we you know every time there's an idea that comes up we we simply get it recorded real quick and we tuck it away and i mean simple like like you know if we're on tour and trevor's we're getting ready to sound check or something and trevor comes up with a riff uh, you'll see him uh, break his phone out real quick and just make a recording of it before he forgets it, and then and then we just tuck it away and then and then that happens over months and months and years and then you know and then when the time is right and we feel that it's time to start writing songs, uh, we di- then we dive headfirst into it and um, you know it. I don't even know how to describe it. I can only speak for obituary and my band, though our writing process. But the the thing we've that I've learned over. 30 year 30 plus years writing with trevor uh my brother and myself is that you just can't really force the issue because if you do yes you're probably going to get a song finished quicker but it probably would not be uh as good or it might turn out like a completely different song if you force it compared to when you just allow it to find you and uh that's kind of what we did with this process is we we waited uh until the time was right we had a ton of ideas, a ton of riffs, ton of dr- drum ideas um, ready to go. And then, and then when we made it home and we were ready to get going, you know, um, we just do it. And 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 we don't think about what's going on in the world of metal. We don't think about what we did on our last record. We don't think what fans are hoping for and needing from *Obituary*. We simply get in the room, we crack a cold beer, and we just start. We just start jamming. Me and Trevor, and uh, and and usually within the first fifteen minutes. That's where the song for the day is gonna is gonna is gonna come up, and if it doesn't, we are not a band to sit there for four hours and work on one riff until we figure out another riff. Um, pressure doesn't do you any good. Having a good time is everything to us, and we've learned that that's how that's how you come up with fresh, fun, killer ideas, and uh, and, and that's what we did on this on this album. And uh, with the pandemic, it allowed us to to really just dissect these songs and, and take our times, you know, take our time with them. So when we thought a song was finished, we would tuck it away for a couple weeks and then, and then bust it out and blast it over to PA and, and, and listen to it. And then most of the time we, we come up with very small, minute little things, but it's what makes a song good to great. And, uh, and we had that luxury, um, uh, home during the pandemic to actually do that and really di- dissect these songs. So I'm super excited about it.
1: Nice, dude. And you got, you have your own studio. You guys do right. Since executioners return, you've used the same studio. Is that accurate?
5: That is very accurate. Uh, we've, we bought the house, my brother and, and I, uh, about 25 years ago, cause we have always lived together. Um, and then so when we were still just renting as 20 something year olds, um, we finally said, let's, let's find a house, man. Let's find a compound that we can call the studio. Yeah. And, uh, and we did. And, 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 and we converted the, uh, you know, it a basically a two-car garage separate from the house that we, you know, we, we converted it into a studio, and then for the last two decades, it's just been a blast. So yes, to answer your question, since the Executioner's Return album, you know, we, we, we took the money that would have been spent in a studio at $100 an hour, as everybody knows how expensive studios uh, are and were, and, and instead we invested in a Pro Tools rig. And all the microphones and cables and gear and snakes and plugins and all that good stuff. And and, and now look at us, uh, 15 years later, we're still uh, pumping out albums and and we're getting better and better with each one because we learn each time. So uh, there's a bit of magic that goes on with the recording process with us. Because my brother and I, we only basically learned enough Pro Tools to track the record. And once the band is done recording we send our files off to our producer um uh, of the last three albums um Joe sincata up in New York City at, at full force studio and um and we just got great chemistry man Joe's been our live sound guy for 15 years so a lot of people when they see obituary live they're like dude how, how do you guys sound so heavy and so tight why does it sound so good live and Joe's a big part of that so we we you know we invited Joe to be to become the the producer of records as well, because he's a a master at that as well. So since the 10,000 Ways to Die release, the self-titled album, and now this one, we really got good chemistry right now with my brother and myself recording the band. And then we ship those files to Joe and he does his magic.
1: Nice, dude. Yeah, see, that's and that's something for younger bands. I, 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 you know, obviously, I don't want to tell anybody how to do. There's, I think, there's an importance to be in the studio to learn how things are done. But there's also maybe we can jump that now, in modern times, and learn ourselves and just do it all themselves. Like, I wonder what the best course of action is. Do you think the obviously with your early records and stuff like that, being in the studio and seeing all that stuff was vital before you guys.
5: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Definitely, there's no question. We learned a, a, a thousand things a minute in the studio as young kids, and uh, and, and you know, the, l- let's not take away from studios. When you got a proper studio mm. with it uh, insulated the right way, with thirty foot ceilings to not have any slap back on your cymbal mics and to properly get it recorded with a proper engineer who knows what his mic placements are. And he teaches you about mic placements and teaching you how to play your instrument on in the studio, whether it's a drummer that you have to learn that you don't have to play at 110% volume every time, sometimes 70% volume and being relaxed and smooth is more important and so there's there's so many lessons to learn as 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 a young band, and I'm glad you brought that up. That young bands, if they have that opportunity to get to somewhat of a real studio, it is definitely worth the time, the money, and effort to, to learn. But you know, you're talking about us who yeah. I was in the studio in 1985 as just a teenager, and then again in, in 86, 87 to do the, the rod album, and then and then you know on and on. And uh, so now you know we have a, a lot of knowledge on theory of sound uh mic placements symbol symbol height on the drum kit bleed through on the microphones from toms to cymbals bass drum bleed through everything you know we've learned and, and we've learned tricks to 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 help us get proper recordings uh because lord knows you know our studio is just a it's just a glorified man cave you know it's a pool table dartboard uh you know, refrigerator, the drum kits in one corner, the pro tools rig is in the other. We've got couches, we got a pull down big screen TV for football. So it's, you know, it's, it's as much fun as it is business. So, you know uh, it is, it is very, very uh, awesome to, to, to have the studio because anyone that's been in the studio with people staring at, you know, at you through the window of the recording room and you see that red light pop on the nerves kick in and you usually have worse performances than what than what you just practiced again and again by yourself in your practice room. So, you know, I, I I don't take it for granted. I know I'm very lucky to have the studio and it's there for me, whether it's nine in the morning, sipping coffee to record some drums or 11 o'clock at night, drinking a beer and, and trying to re, and re, record or create music. So i'm very lucky i'm very fortunate and and and, uh and and i know that so it's just it's really cool having a studio
1: you brought up football how many songs did you ever complete recording on a sunday during the season
5: yeah i would it's an easy question to answer none (laughs) i was just just
1: checking say all right we're gonna take a break from the game and we're gonna go back no that's over (laughs) so i never assume what is your team (laughs)
5: <laughs> uh, John and I were born in North Miami beach okay. on North Miami beach. So we are dolphins, dolphins fans to the heart. Uh, we've been in Tampa, um, since 1980. So what is that? 43 years. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm a dolphins fan. You know, I was a dolphins fan cause my dad was a dolphins fan. His brothers were dolphins fans. I got those photos of me as a kid with the dolphins helmet on. I got a photo of me with Gary, a the kicker from the seventies, um, with the dolphins, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's in my DNA. Um, Trevor and Terry are diehard Bucks fans, and uh, and John uh, John and I are uh, Dolphins fans. And Ken doesn't even know what football is. He thinks that it's played with uh, skates and uh, a and, uh, and a and a and a round ball.
1: <laughs> Ken is the answer to write songs on Sundays in the obituary. Camp. Exactly, <laughs> he's
5: the guy. Yeah, Ken's the guy that doesn't know any better he's texting my brother when it's fourth and three with one minute to go in the fourth quarter (laughs) and wonders why he doesn't get a reply from john
1: yeah that's that's it's funny because on on occasion my wife will be like hey i need you to get this done on sunday i'm like um (laughs) (laughs) right saturday can we yeah when? like you know like it's an all-day thing i better wake up early (laughs) yeah Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a beautiful thing so it's funny because I talked to Corpse Grinder and he was telling me he was a Broncos fan because I assumed he was a Tampa Bay fan and he, he kind of got mad at me because I'm like ah Tom Brady bad <laughs> you know, like this is years <laughs> ago it's like fuck Tom Brady I'm like all right all right I need a check yeah. I can't nah, assume what, <laughs> you know? what
5: makes what makes what did what what did George say that the 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 Denver connection is with him
1: crazy enough it's because he was. Um, um, and every time he comes on the show, all we do is talk football. I've actually gotten emails from people saying they're pissed off about it. I don't care. <laughs> 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 so, because it's fun. But um, it, he was born in Baltimore, so he couldn't be a Colts fan because the Colts uh, moved. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, i sorry. He couldn't yeah. be a Ravens fan because they moved to Indianapolis overnight, and that pissed right. them off. So he picked a new team, and he picked the Denver Broncos. <laughs> that was the story. Oh, but that's great. his second team is still the Ravens. I, I'm uh, born and raised in Las Vegas, so I never had a football team. So when I was right. a kid, my dad was like you have to pick a team. I'm like my favorite color is orange. So I made the lifelong right. fucking mistake of picking the Cleveland Browns. Oh um, boy. Yeah, yeah. So um but now that I have a team, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. I I have to have a second team because that's where my kids right. will be seeing football. So we all have is Tampa Bay that's your second cool, team? Am I allowed to say that? No, nah, Bay- you know, it's no. one,
5: it's one team and one team only. Everyone like else it. can go die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is the correct attitude. Our our rule out here is like you are not allowed to bet on your against your team. Period.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, absolutely that's, not. Like if I, that's if, why I don't bother yeah. when it, when we're on tour and the NFL season if we're on tour on the NFL season, all the all the bands on tour usually do the uh, you know, the football pool. Yeah. And I have no business doing football pool a because i don't know anything about the other teams because i don't care and b i cannot pick against the dolphins and uh we know that the dolphins have not have have had the greatest luck in the last two decades either e- even with marino being as great as he was you know we, we've we made it to some playoffs but uh it's just hard to pick against your team because it's you know you're picking not by the brain but by the heart and i never win so i don't play the football pools
1: smart man i'm the same my loyalty trumps all <laughs> Stupidity beyond. I don't care. It's, yeah, it's, it's a exactly. Yeah, it's like I don't care yeah. how dumb I am. You yeah.
5: Know, so. so anyway, but for the for the listener's sake, yes. was, let's move on to metal.
1: Yes, I apologize for that. So the next question that we <laughs> had, good. guys, because we don't want the, we don't want the emails to be like stop talking about football. I get excited. It's fun. <laughs> but you just wrapped up uh, my first show. Uh, let me just tell you this story, and then because I just saw you guys recently out here in Vegas as well in this store. Uh, my first show back from COVID. The first band I got to see was you guys out here at Psycho Vegas. Um, had to oh, get off cool. work, run out there, get to the main stage. And I got to tell you, man, like you guys just like it was an epiphany moment of like, I can't believe I took this shit for granted. <laughs> you know? Awesome. And uh, it was just a fantastic moment. Um, what was it like for you guys when you came back and started doing the live shows again? And was that one of the first shows you guys did upon the comeback? That was...
5: Yeah, that was one of the first shows we did. That was definitely one of the, that was definitely the first show that we had to get onto on an airplane to go do. Um, I, I don't, I honestly can't remember, um, if we did, uh, any, any tour, any tours before that, but I think it was the comeback for us as well. And let me tell you, uh, you don't, like you said, you, I don't realize, I did not realize how much I absolutely missed it and how much I needed it to, to, to be on stage behind a drum kit, uh, performing my songs for fans that want to see it. I mean, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more gratifying, satisfying and exciting for me. Um, you know, I'm a drummer. I I can play my drums every day by myself in a room with nobody and still be happy as can be, but to perform, um, you know, it's what I've done since I was 15 years old is to, is to play music for, for, for people and friends that want to hear it. Yeah, dude,
1: that's it, that's that's the community. That's why there's so much love, because we're both on both sides of the fence. We need each other, and it's just a beautiful thing, man. There's there's I yeah. said I said this to a, a recently to someone I interviewed. I was like, you know what? Um, on my deathbed, I'll forget all these milestones in my life, but I'll never forget when I saw that band on that show. <laughs> you know, like right. it's a memory that's forever, right. man. So it's one of those things. But yeah, you just finished up a tour in North America. And we'll talk about the European tour, which we want to promote as well. Uh, I yeah. mean, what a package, dude. You guys just played out yeah. here. Uh, if people missed it, man, it was a Monomarth carcass. Uh, you guys and oof, top of my cattle mouth.
5: decap. Thank you, yeah, cattle, cattle decapitation. Yeah.
1: Man, what a fucking tour! Yeah. Um, a lot of bands are saying it's a different climate and it's a little tougher, uh, not just financially, but just the, with the way things are. How was your experience on that tour? Are you seeing that as well with the inflation and stuff?
5: Well, I mean, we were extremely lucky and fortunate to be invited to that tour because. Monomarth Marth are absolutely exploding and uh we were playing venues that we uh, obituary would never even dr- you know we would never get the opportunity to play such such big venues and we were playing in front of much bigger crowds than we would have so so the the, the business part of side of it it was it was fantastic mm. for us but you know even more importantly you know we we've known those dudes for over 15 years because we toured with them in Europe um so it was, it was very cool to be back on the road with them and seeing familiar faces and the respect and, and the friendship and brotherhood that we have with those guys, um, is, is unspoken. You know, it's just, it makes, it makes the tour so much better when you already know each other and you know, the grind and you know, the corks and the ins and outs and what to do and what not to do and, and, and all that stuff. And then of course, man, carcass, I mean, One of my favorite bands now um, for the past, whatever, 15 years. And um, it was just, again, awesome, awesome people. Their crew couldn't have been any cooler. Everybody's crew got along. Um, It just was a great tour. And the business side of it, absolutely slam-packed venues. And the fans got a great show. I mean, all the bands just crushed it every night.
1: Oh, dude! No, that package is amazing, and let's talk about the package up in Europe. This is going to be equally as great. Heaven shall burn. You guys, yeah. Trivium and Malevolence. Yeah, That's and Malevolence. Yeah,
5: yeah. yeah I, I'm I'm stoked about Malevolence because uh, I'll be the first to, to admit that I was not familiar with them. I I did not know them. Uh, we we got the offer of this tour, and um, we knew it was a, a very smart uh, a smart tour for Obituary because we could have. Uh, put together a headline tour and all death metal bands going to Europe, but then you're playing in front of just death metal fans. Um, and we have a new album and it's been six years since the record. So to get in front of heaven shall burn fans and, and, and trivium fans who are metal heads, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily know, uh, Florida death metal and obituary met death metal. A lot of those fans do, but a lot of them do not. So it's, a uh, It was a calculated decision to accept that tour and get in front of new eyeballs and new and hopefully gain new fans each night. Um, And again, Trivium is, is friends of ours. They're Florida boys. They have exploded. They are super popular um, and they are packing venues right now. So again, we're very fortunate and lucky to be invited to a great tour. Uh, The venues are amazing that we're going to be playing and uh and i'm just really looking forward to it i'm looking forward to playing some of these new songs off the off the new album
1: yeah dude uh and speaking of that we're going to play a couple after the interview but which how many tracks do you like to debut um off of a new record for like a fan base like the tour upcoming how many new tracks would you guys want to perform for that audience
5: yeah that would all depend on how many bands Uh, are on the tour what style the other music is meaning what just like i explained meaning what 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 type of person is walking in and then also how many minutes on stage do we have you know so for this one we have like 35 45 minutes um on stage um as a support act so we still know we want to we want to play some new songs to get everybody excited and get them uh, teach them these new songs and let them hear it but we also know we'll get beer cans thrown at us if we're not playing some of the classics you know if we're not playing chopped in half and we're not playing slowly um people are are going to be a little bit disappointed so you know you try and do your best we're going to definitely play at least two a night because we're excited about this new album and, uh, and then and then some classic ones.
1: Beautiful, man. Looking forward to it. Europe, make sure you guys are catching this tour. I'm telling you, us in North America, we got a package that was unforgettable. You guys got one, too. Make sure you guys are doing it starting January 17th. Let's talk about the first single you guys did release. There's three out right now, if I'm not mistaken. But the first one is always yeah. the taste. It's like, oh, obituaries back, right? Why well, was the yeah. wrong time the right song to, to give us? The uh
5: right, yeah. The right time for the wrong time, man. <laughs> um, it, 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 because, you know, it's... It, I, I almost want to uh, say... So it's two ways. Um, again, we knew we were about to hit the American tour. And those are Amon or Moth fans. They are... they A lot of them know obituary very well. But a lot of them do not. I mean, Amon t- tapped into a big, broad audience. They are the next... Um for the size of the crowds, mm-hmm. they're, they're pulling crowds that Slayer was pulling. And uh, it's incredible. I mean, thousands, not hundreds, I mean, thousands of people a night. So we knew we needed to pick a song that was going to be that groovy, mid-tempo, classic obituary feel for all those fans that come in walking into the venue going, I've heard of obituary, but I've never heard it or I've never seen it live. So the wrong time was that was selected mainly because of that but with that said it's also it's such a damn good song and it's so obituary like and it's again that meat and potatoes i like to call it it's obituaries mid-tempo got some drum groove to it the riff is is easily remembered and my brother knocked it out of the park with his vocals on that song we might have even picked the wrong time as the first single even if we weren't even on tour but those were two scenarios but it was an easy it was an easy decision uh, with my brother and myself because we knew, a, it was a good, very well written song, and uh, and the production and the way it just came out, the the magic it had that happened in the studio with Joe mixing it, it just came out great. Yeah, dude,
1: it did, it did. It's definitely one of those songs where you hear it live, it, it comes to life too. You know, uh, it's yeah. it's the one that it's definitely the song that you want to do that. And that's 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 I always found it for me because metal listeners like myself, at least, and not everybody, but. <clears throat> We're album listeners, right? So uh, I always think like of a, when the band puts their their album together. They're you know they're sequencing and all that stuff. They're thinking of the whole puzzle, and it's hard to pull a piece out. Did you guys ever yeah. feel that, or or is it is it am I kind of off base on that?
5: No, I mean it, it's a the, the world of, of picking uh, this you know the the song the song listing when you finish an album and the set list when you're playing live. It's very tough. It's they're both very challenging and maybe a lot of fans don't think about the challenge that bands have to put the songs in, in the proper order that you think is going to make sense. And, and I, I do it for obituary 99% of the time. Thank God those guys trust me when it comes to picking a set list, but also picking the song listing on the record, how it's going to be played. Um, and yeah, to, to, it is it is a challenge and it is something that not not a lot of band members want to be a part of i've learned that for sure um which is sometimes good because too many chiefs and uh you know not not enough indians everybody putting their hand in the pie it doesn't usually come out as well cooked if uh, compared to just one one chef if that answers your question
1: absolutely i think there needs to be a director if i may of the sequence uh otherwise yeah Yeah. because it's it's yeah you just gotta see it out the right way and and that that is really cool man um new year's just happened how was happy new year by the way releasing yeah, record
5: new year to you and to and to all the listeners for sure man absolutely and
1: uh this is the first to me major release that i'm gonna get my 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 hands on um do tell me about releasing it right after the new year was that something that was calculated as well or did you guys like tell me about the timing of, of when you wanted to drop this one? Because I think this is
5: yeah, perfect I mean, it, timing. It it, it 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 now now that we see hindsight it is and, and um it was agonizing because this album was was ready to go um uh, before the pandemic. Um uh, not ready to go, but we we had plans of what we were going to do finishing the Slayer tour, which was we came home, we had one Black Label Society United States tour that we were gonna do. And then we were going to go jump into the studio and get an album recorded and get back to Europe to ride those coattails of all them Slayer fans that just saw obituary. But then of course the pandemic hit. So I, it's, it's one of those things where now that I realized that we had to wait and we did, we sat on it for two years, but like you said, it seems like perfect timing now because it is the new year. The world is open. Europe is, is ready for us. Um, and all stars lined it up, lined up right now for obituary. You know, the, 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 the Amon tour, the Trivium tour is just perfect timing to promote a very important album for us because we are not the youngest men uh, when it comes to a band in our careers. We do not put out albums um, every year. So this one, this one's an important one because it, it, it is it is a very well written album and i think it came out fantastic and the world has been waiting and i think they're ready for it and uh that's really important because everybody who's been in a band long enough they know that sometimes sometimes you have an album that you're super excited about but it gets looked past whether it's the promotion for it whether it's the record label ignoring it and not pushing it the way they do whether it's fans just having too uh, too many bands on their to-do list and and they don't pick up your album but this one it seems everybody's paying attention everybody's uh directing the spotlight over to uh obituaries logo and uh timing is everything And, and we're super super excited about it
1: excellent man well with that dude i gotta tell you our time is running out so i gotta promote one more time first off yes sir donald thank you so much for calling in second off Everyone out there, make sure you guys are pre-ordering, picking up the new album, Dying of Everything. I am telling you, it's coming out January 13th. It is exactly what all you people want out there. It is a fucking beast of a record in Europe. Do not miss the tour, Heaven Shall Burn, Trivium malevolence I can't make it unfortunately because I live over here but I'm jealous and that's important yeah, So man. you guys make right sure you guys are checking it out with that thank you so much mr tardy for calling in here to the Metal very, Podcast. yeah
5: and you're you're very welcome and thanks for uh tuning in everybody and uh hope to see you guys on the road
3: Sucks Podcast. Lost. I by will set the speed to the sand sucks podcast.
1: Guys, and we are back. First song you heard is the first single they dropped on us. Man, that song is a beast. So is every song on this record. Dying of Everything coming out January thirteenth. That track is the wrong time, guys. Second song you heard also off that record, My Will to Live. I can't say enough good things about this record. This is what the, what a great way to start off twenty twenty three for heavy music, dude. Obituaries will latest. Dying of Everything is out January thirteenth, and make sure you guys are checking them out in Europe. With their tour, their packages, Heaven Shall Bird, Trivium, Obituary, Malevolent, starting January 17th. Pick up tickets. Make sure you guys are checking that out. Third song you heard is from a band called Imperium Decadens. Their new album, Into Sorrow Evermore, is coming out January 20th. The track I played for you is called November. November monument guys that band is kicking it it is a great album make sure you guys are checking out more from them and picking up the new record once again into Sorrow evermore is coming out January 20th the band Imperium Decadence with that we want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes you guys are the best. That's all we ask for as a podcast team, if you take the time to go to your little Apple device, hit five stars. We don't need comments, we don't need nothing. Just seeing that number grow means the world to us as a podcast team. And also all the support for our documentary discussion podcast that is rise to offend if you guys haven't checked that one out. We've done so many figures from political figures from bands. We've done Peter Steele filling someone we the last episode we did was Chuck Schuldiner. Uh, we try to do everything we can uh, in that documentary discussion podcast. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's called Rise to Offend. Go check it out. It's a fun listen. Uh, and with that, guys, February 24th is a big day for you, Jocelyn. <laughs> oh
2: my God, I'm so excited. You guys, you guys, you guys, you have to pre order the vinyl. I'm so excited that I'm doing this. It's going to be a little EP, it's going to be select stuff and then secret tracks. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited.
1: I-, I know Jaws, and I'm pre ordering the vinyl, and you're going to sign my copy. That's not gonna be part of the hundredth. Are you gonna sign mine? <laughs> right? I'll
2: sign every I'll sign every one of the first one hundred copies.
1: You've seen my my record player and my speakers. Just hearing your voice coming out of those things is gonna be crazy, by the way. Cause it's all it's that would a, be insane. It's right? a tape player, a vinyl, and see there is no there is no way to get you through for a podcast. There's no Wi-Fi on that bitch. But now there's a way. Uh,
0: there's now there's a way. Like it. Yes,
2: yes.
1: With that, guys, make sure you're supporting. We'll, we'll, We'll keep reminding you guys. But until next week, again, Happy New Year's to all.
0: The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.